0: Welcome to Waterloop, the podcast that explores solutions for sustainability and equity in water. I'm the host, Travis Loop. This is episode number 204, Catching the King Tides. King tides are the highest high tides of the year and they are increasing due to factors such as rising sea levels, coastal erosion, and land subsidence. Communities are experiencing more flooding from king tides, posing a variety of challenges and hazards. This episode explores a collaboration between the North Carolina King Tides Project and Wetlands Watch that utilizes digital tools and citizen science to study these events. Gabby Kinney, The Community Engagement Project Manager for Wetlands Watch explains how innovative apps and community engagement are used to gather crucial data during king tides. This information enhances understanding and preparedness for future challenges associated with sea level rise and flooding. Gabby also discusses how communities are responding to these evolving coastal conditions and their efforts to build resilience you're in the water loop yeah i'd be excited to be here to talk to you about king tides Uh, i think it's been something in the news more even on social media more so hopefully more people are hearing about it but king tides what are these
1: yeah so king tides um they typically happen they have two seasons each year so we have a spring and a fall king tide season Um, when you look at the orbital path of the moon you can see that it's kind of oval shaped and we call them um it's a perigean event so the place in the moon's orbit when it's closest to Earth. And that gravitational pull, because it's closest to Earth, um, brings our tides inland more. So that gravitational pull is actually bringing these tides inland. Um, And that's why we call them king tides, is they're kind of superior to all of the other tides. Um, And our Catch the King logo, I don't know if the camera can see this, but it's an Elvis, because he's the king.
0: The king, yeah.
1: Um, Yeah.
0: So king tides are something that's been around because this this Earth Moon uh you know tidal process has mm-hmm. been around for forever. Mm-hmm. But they're on the increase now, right? There's the height if you will of the king tides the places that the water's going is changing what's going on
1: yes yeah, so uh, we study king tides because they're tied to uh, the phenomenon of sea level rise and, and climate change climate driven sea level rise so sea level rise occurs because um, as the climate warms and as the earth warms our ice glaciers are melting everybody have seen the really sad <laughs> video of the polar bear on the floating ice sheet <laughs> um, our ice caps are melting our glaciers are melting um, at the same time ocean water is literally expanding because it's getting warmer. So we're seeing more water in our oceans, which is literally, if you think about it like a bathtub, is spilling over onto the geography of the land. Um, So we're seeing this natural um, human obviously accelerated um, cause of sea level rise bringing more water to our streets in addition to the normal tidal cycle. So we get these astronomical events that happen each spring and fall, but those are becoming higher Mm -hmm. because sea level rise is continuing to increase with climate change. Mm -hmm. So um, it's all kind of interrelated in that way.
0: Yeah, and so there's places around the country that are a little more vulnerable, maybe Mm -hmm. where sea sea level rise is happening faster or Mm -hmm. the pace of it is accelerating, Mm -hmm. low-lying areas, Mm -hmm. variety of factors, right? Yeah. Uh, Definitely think of, you know, the Norfolk Tidewater area in Virginia, where mm-hmm. you're based, it's happening here along the North Carolina coast, South Florida, mm-hmm. New Orleans, right? These are some of the, the hot spots for yes. it. So people, what I think is important, are seeing king tides on sunny days. This yes. is not a weather-driven event. Right. That certainly can uh, amplify the impact, but mm-hmm. blues, like today, we're sitting here in Riceville Beach, <laughs> sunny, beautiful day, water higher than it normally ever is.
1: Yes, yeah, it is It is a really interesting yet slow phenomenon that is ramping up, I think, in, in more recent times. Um, the awareness piece is that people are opening their front doorstep on a sunny day and they're seeing floodwaters just right in their front yard. Um, that can have a lot of implications. It impacts how kids get to school. It impacts how the survivability of your front lawn grass to salt water um, and all of these just really intense things. So it is ramping up. Um, it's something that we're hoping gains more attention in the adaptation space. Um, that local governments start talking with their residents about how floodwaters are aff- affecting them. Um, and it can be a real component of how we keep people safe and keep those ecosystems on the coast uh, alive so mm. that we give them room um, to kind of get away from that sea level rise as well.
0: Yeah, I remember when I lived in Annapolis, Maryland, mm-hmm. uh, they have this sunny day flooding, King tides yeah. And I had to, they would send a message, we had to go a different way to my kids' school to pick mm-hmm. them up because down at the city dock area it was flooded out. Yes. So it had to take a long way. Yeah. What, what are the other, uh, I guess, immediate local impacts, right? People having to go different ways but what mm-hmm. why else are these problematic right now
1: yeah there's I mean there's several different ones um, commutes and travel are a huge one because everybody's got to get to work just work in school um, we're seeing saltwater intrusion again affecting a lot of people's yards affecting um, some of our like forested areas, these places that really help buffer mm-hmm. um, wave action, even just our wetlands um, all mm-hmm. along the coast. As, as sea level rise comes in, if there's nowhere for those wetlands to go, they just kind of drown in place. Mm-hmm. Um, so we lose their buffering capability. We lose their wave action um, buffering. We lose their water quality um, um, features. We lose their Um, ability to be nursery habitat, all of these really wonderful things that our wetlands do, and of course I'm biased because we're (laughs) wetlands watch. Um, But there is, I mean, at at the community scale, it's about how does the infrastructure hold up? How are um, the roads that aren't doing so well, how are they handling the flooding? Um, What about bridges? Do we need to raise our bridges? Do we need to elevate our homes? Um, And uh, the FEMA program also does like the buyouts and relocations. Are there properties that have been frequently flooded that can just no longer stand or is it economical for people to stay in homes that have been frequently flooded Um, and so those are some of the kind of things that we're thinking about there's a lot of work to be done in the adaptation space in terms of Um, how we communicate this risk to people. A lot of people know that flooding is happening. They see it. It's a thing. Um, But in terms of what it means for them directly, it it can be a little more nuanced. If you have kids that go to school, that's one thing. But how do you think about the way that you live? Um, What's your home going to look like in 2050 if you live right on the coast Hmm. Um, and all of that? So we're just kind of emerging into that planning landscape of of what do we do next and how do we get ahead of it with these projections that are coming out for sea level rise in the future?
0: Yeah, it's a little bit of a slow moving crisis. Right. It's happening, but it's, but it's, you can see it coming. Mm -hmm. Uh, Talk about what you all are doing to study this, especially along the Chesapeake Bay, that coastal Virginia, coastal North Carolina. What what are you doing?
1: Yeah. So we run a program called Catch the King um, and it is a community science mapping event. So we, in 2015, we developed an app called the sea level rise app. It's a mobile tool um, right in the hands of any individual person um, and it actually lets folks go out and document the flooding happening in their neighborhood. So what they can do is when they download and register for the app they have a tool button that lets them drop an individual GPS pin as they walk along the outer line of a flood um, zone. So if you see flooding in your neighborhood Uh, put some muck boots on, take the app out and walk about, we say about every five steps or so you drop a GPS pin and you try to map the entire extent of that flood line. So what it's doing is showing us not only where the flooding is happening, but how far it's coming inland. We can do it on the coastline and work with the the rack line and the tide line that comes in, but we can also work with things like backed up storm drains or these kind of inlet areas that get the flooding from um, local estuaries and wetlands that are coming in. Um, and we can map those kind of inlets and inundation spots. Um, and with all of this data, we are um, working with the Virginia Institute of Marine Science to validate their flood prediction models. So they have this model called TideWatch, Watch um, and it, it models that kind of high tide tidal variation. It shows you how far the flooding is predicted to come inland based on their models. And they take all of our annual Catch the King data and actually validate where those flood flood waters are coming in. So where do we collect it on the day versus where the model said it was going to come in? Our researchers are impeccably (laughs) smart and know much more than I do about how all that data works, Um, but they can go in and and we're realizing that this kind of community collected data can be a really valuable tool in in academic research, in in planning and modeling for this sort of thing. Um, In the future, Working with things like the Chesapeake Bay goals, working in North Carolina, we actually received funding from NOAA to expand Catch the King. It was originally a Virginia-based project, but um, I'm a UNC Wilmington alum, and I've been through several hurricanes in this area. Um, I've seen the flooding impacts, especially downtown, um, and we know that this is a real threat here. And so I thought, what better option than to come work with some of the organizations already doing wonderful tide monitoring work here in North Carolina to extend it south. Um, So there's much more room for opportunity to get this data in the right hands and and integrated into programs that are already happening, tide monitoring programs, resilience building programs. Um, And so, yeah, we're just seeing where it goes from here. That funding came from NOAA um, and it's kind of a pilot project this year, but um, we're hoping it hoping it grows. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: there's so much attention on this mm-hmm. not just in the mid-atlantic here But growing up and down the eastern seaboard and mm-hmm. the Gulf Coast and everything mm-hmm. um, I just want to kind of touch on the solution part or the adaptation part yeah. a little more So you get you got you're getting this great data. It's feeding into these programs So that is a, a great accomplishment a great solution a great tool. It's mm-hmm. raising awareness of people and um, what are some of the ways that communities then can adapt to these king tides? Yes, there's got to be the big fight against climate change and sea <laughs> yeah. level rise. That's a big, big picture thing. Mm-hmm. But at the really local level, mm-hmm. communities that are impacted by king tides, what can they do? What are they doing?
1: Yeah, great question. Um, so there's a couple different, um, and I'm going to try to remember <laughs> the three um, the three kind of steps that we do. So retreat is one. And mm-hmm. retreat can be a really scary term, um, but it, it essentially means means facilitating the migration of people further inland Mm. Um, that happens can happen at the parcel level folks can choose to move from their homes and move further inland Um, again it's a very scary topic to Mm. think about and think about having to leave your home it's not something that many people want to do especially living on the beautiful coast Mm. Um, so that's one option um, and we're not seeing a whole lot there again because that whole retreat process can be so difficult Mm -hmm. Um, um, elevating homes is Mm -hmm. one of course um, some cities have a base flood elevation um, Requirement, so elevating homes to that standard and new development being built to that standard. Mm-hmm. Um, is another one Um, we can also take down structures on the coast and um, return it to open space and Mm. green space again to restore the kind of ecosystem functions and the protections of the wetlands and then there's this defense element so we can build up our coasts Mm. to adapt to this one of the things we can do is implement green infrastructure so in an area where we're noticing a lot of floodwaters instead of building a hard surface like a wall um, can we install a living shoreline and, and establish that community of plants to help attenuate the water? Um, can we implement storm water retention practices? Mm-hmm. So if we're seeing these huge rain bomb events, and again that flooding that we study is not just tidal, these, these climate change driven mm-hmm. rainfall events too, and hurricanes getting more intense are causing a lot of flooding in the streets. Um, And so can we install these kind of natural retention practices that hold that water and take that water in, installing um, pervious surfaces where that rainwater can go straight through the pavement. Um, Those kinds of things are things we can do to help build defense of these things and integrate it into the community rather than encouraging folks to just move. There's so many more moving pieces there to, to think about.
0: Sure. I guess lastly, if people want to learn more about King Tides and learn more about the Catch the King kind of initiative, where can they uh, go to do that?
1: Yeah, we have a website for Catch the King. It's just wetlandswatch.org slash catch the king, all lowercase. Um, and that's where we host a lot of our Virginia-based stuff, but there's a little um, tab on the left that lets you click through to North Carolina. Um, as well as some background on our Sea Level Rise app. Other than that, they're welcome to reach out to me. I'm sure my phone number and email will be on there. Um, And yeah, and, and download the Sea Level Rise app, find the tutorial guides out there. They're floating around on our website. Attend a training event if you hear of one in your area. Again, we're piloting this in North Carolina. So if you hear of us, um, come on out. Sometimes we just take some strolls on the beach and it's a good time. Um, other than that, just stay alert, take photos of any flooding that you see um, and just in, and stay aware.
0: Great. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the podcast. To find all episodes, sign up for email updates and connect on social media, visit waterloop.org. Waterloop, Waterloop, Waterloop.